Hey guys, Jeremy here with Simple in Life. It has been almost exactly three years since I last published a podcast. And I'm not entirely sure why I'm firing it up now, but might as well. Um, it's weird because I do a other podcast with my friend Todd Fuss and we get fairly political. We're a couple of conservative guys and I enjoy it. We talk about things. Uh, that podcast is called Can M Soup. And I, I don't know, I've been thinking about doing, uh, starting this podcast up again and making it kind of like a, a behind the scenes to YouTube stuff. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that happen that prevent certain things from happening. Um, you know, even things like why so many YouTube YouTubers are stopping YouTubing. Big people, big names, they're just quitting. Uh, bigger channels that don't upload as much and I guess maybe we'll talk about that in this episode. Um, obviously, I mean, I have been very, to tell you the truth, I've struggled over the last three, four, five years with doing YouTube. And I don't know for sure why. I think one of the reasons is that when we were building our last house, um, the gentleman that I'd hired, he was my neighbor to build the house. When he was building his like he bought his land after we bought ours. He was building his house. He hustled his butt. Like he was out there working so hard and he had that house built in a summer. 90% of the work was just himself. I mean, he had people help him lift up the walls, uh, but he did so much work. It was phenomenal. And I thought, you know what? That guy's a real go-getter. He's going to get stuff done. So why don't I inquire if he could build a house for us? I was originally planning on building the house. But just with the way things had worked, I mean, I was busy with the knives, busy with the YouTube. I thought, why stop like a job where I'm actually making money to go build a house? So I inquired, I said, hey, would you like to build a house for us? And he said, yeah, sure. And that's kind of what he does. He, he will either buy a little piece of land, build a house, live in it for a year or two, and then flip it. Or he will build houses for people. And so I'd asked him, I said, what do you plan on doing in this next couple months when you're done your house? He goes, oh, I was just going to take it easy for a few months, maybe the summer. And I said, well, how would you feel about building my house? And so we got it all worked out, yada, yada, and got the pricing, the designing, and went, drafted up a contract with the lawyer, which was a very good thing. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it's funny because when my wife and I were doing it, we were talking and, and Stephanie was like, okay, do you like, what do you think this is going to be like doing business with your neighbor? And I thought, you know what? It's either going to be just fine and we'll actually be better friends at the end of it, or we're going to hate each other. And I said, truthfully, I think the latter is the more likely to happen. And that is indeed what happened. Once he had finished his house, kind of started going on the package. And essentially we had a date, a completion date of December 1st that he had to have the house done. We set everything up in payment draws. So I think I gave him 20% up front or 25% just so he could, you know, buy the entire framing package, get the foundation done, really expensive. Well, building a house, all of it's expensive, but you need a good chunk of money to get started. And then going through with a lawyer, a real estate lawyer with the suggested draws. So at each stage, like once the envelope was done, so siding and roofing was done, this percentage would be another draw that would be released to him. And so the lawyers had all the money for the house in trust, and then he would apply for the draw. I would approve the draw, 
and they release the money so he can continue. That way he's not, you know, paying for everything out of pocket. And it was going fairly well. The one thing I noticed is that the whole time that he was building his house, he was kind of antisocial. Like he would just work, 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 and that's it. And then when he had started, when he'd finished his house, I noticed he all of a sudden had a girl living with him. And in the time that he built our house, he had lived, had he had four different women living with him. Not not multiples at a time. They'd, you know, he'd have a, a girlfriend for a month or two. They'd break up. Some of them were quite glorious in, in literally like throwing suitcases out of his door and a taxi picking her up and interesting. You know, I'd wish I had seen that side of him before. But what he would do is he'd focus on these women more than the house. And I don't know if I've, I've shared this on this podcast or not. I don't remember, but I remember, you know, he wouldn't work essentially Monday, Tuesday, Sometimes he'd do stuff Wednesday, but usually it was Thursday, Friday. He would work on our house and literally not work the rest of the time. And this went on for about a month or so. And I, I didn't know if he was waiting for stuff or he's doing things in the background. And then I remember one time I saw him on a Wednesday afternoon and he's out there walking around with his girlfriend in his yard, picking rocks and just, you know, removing the rocks from his yard area. You know, when you're developing a, like a piece of past your land, there's a lot of rocks in it. And you end up spending a lot of time moving rocks so that you end up with nice grass surfaces. And it was really starting to bug me. And then I think it was in September, we had like a freak snowstorm. They were at the point where they had, the exterior was done. They had a, a roofing company come put shingles on. They were in the process of siding the house, had most of it done. No, they had the siding all done, but they hadn't done any of the eaves on the outside. And we ended up getting a blizzard in September, very, it, it wasn't usual, it's was kind of out of the blue, and we had all the drywall sitting inside the garage, and we ended up getting about a foot and a half of snow, and I was like, oh man, I wonder how the house is doing, and I went and checked, and this was a full-on blizzard, like snow was coming sideways, and there was a lot of it, and it, all the snow had blown up, like, underneath the roof, gotten into the house, and I went to the garage and the stacks of drywall that were sitting there, all the drywall for the house were under a foot of snow. And if you know anything about drywall, you know it's not good for that stuff to get wet. And I lost it. I absolutely lost it. I called him. I said, well, I'm going to spare his name here. But I said, dude, there's like a foot of snow on all the drywall. There's snow inside the house. There's water running down the walls. The outlets had water running out of them. The light switch outlets, the, the power outlets. And he goes, well, do you, do you think you could just get a broom and sweep the snow off the drywall? And I lost it even more. I said, dude, this is your job. I am paying you for this. And anyways, we had what you could call a come to Jesus meeting. And I actually don't like that term. It kind of, yeah, we'll, we'll take that back. I had a conversation. I said, you need to get your butt over here, Kyle. I need to talk to you right now. And what Kyle didn't know about me is, I mean, I'm a very friendly, nice guy. But I'm not that way if you cross me. And I'm good at, I don't care what people think of me. And if there is a job to do, if somebody's being a little difficult, belligerent, I'm more concerned about getting the job done than protecting anyone's feelings. My job, when I worked for a company that did airport baggage conveyors, 
often if the airports wouldn't pay after we had substantial completion, I would go in there and I'd, I'd figure out ways to get the money. I'd pull the computer chips out of these big, huge control panels, give them a phone call, say, hey, just so you know, your, com- your conveyors aren't running. I'm like, yeah, I noticed that. I was just going to call you. I said, yeah, I, I just flew into Denver, drove up here, and uh, you still owe us, I think this one airport owed us like $1.7 million. And, uh, you know, we had sent letters. We had lawyers threatening them, nothing. And so I just flew in there, pulled these chips, and I said, listen, if you get me a certified check for this much money, you can have your chips back. And this was a ski town in Colorado. And it was getting up to a couple weeks until they started getting busy for skiing. And I said, dude, those things will not run. And I explained it to him like this. I said, this is our conveyor system at the moment. We purchased the materials. We manufactured the materials. We installed this system. We got it operational. We tested it. It is a fully functioning airport baggage system that we own. And we're not really in the business of renting them. So our system that we own all of it, we don't want it being used because it's not worth as much. Now, if you would like to have that for yourself, as in the contract that we signed and that, that you're not living up to, you're going to have to pay for it. So if you can bring me a certified check, by all means, you can have your chips back. Anyways, magic happened. The next day, they brought me a certified check for, I think it was like $1.7 million. They had the money. They just weren't paying. They're just shady jerks. And uh, I told them I'd meet them at a cafe. I had a little Ziploc baggie with the chips. And I had them labeled so they could just plug them back in. I said, there you go. Thank you. Got in my car, drove back to Denver, and flew home. And I, that type of conflict... I enjoy it. Like, I was like, ah, yeah, like, I'm good at that. And uh, I I like to get along, you know, but I also thrive on conflict. I really do enjoy it. And that's the one thing that Kyle, oops, whatever, his name's Kyle. (laughs) We're going to say his name. That's one thing that Kyle didn't know about me. And so we had this thing, and I said, I don't know if you're, I'm going to let you finish this house. I said, you are not doing what you said you would do. And I asked him, are you going to have this December 1st, this completed? He goes, not likely. I said, okay, you're not living up to the contract. And he started saying, blah, blah, blah. He tried to kick me off of the property because we were living in our fifth wheel there. And he didn't like that because I could keep a very good eye on what he did or what he wasn't doing. And he said, you're getting off right now this isn't going to work. I'm not doing any more work while you're living on the property. And I said, Kyle, that was never part of the deal, dude. You have no right to kick me off of my own property. And I told him, I said, I was so mad. I said, Kyle, you need to leave right now. You do not step foot on my property or else I'll call the police. I will call you in a couple days after I've thought about it. And I will let you know if I will allow you to continue to finish this off. And he cooled down for a few days. I cooled down for a few days. And I think there's a point when he realized that, yeah, you know what? I am really dogging it. I am not doing what it says I should be doing, what I agreed to do in the contract. I need to get serious about this. And so we had a chat a couple days later. And he said, listen, I really want to finish this house. If you'll let us, we will finish building this house. It was him and his son. And I said, I will let you finish building this house. If you actually work, I want five days a week at a minimum. That's not that much. I know a lot of guys that build houses and they work more than that. And I said, and just so you know, the deadline comes. And uh, he agreed and they kind of got back into it a little bit. And then they started slacking a little bit more. And I told him, I said, Kyle, we're getting to the crunch. We got like three weeks. 
I said, you can do whatever you want and not work on this project, but December 1st comes. I can take all the money. We had a, a final holdback. We hadn't gotten to that obviously yet, but we also had a little bit more for like furnishings, appliances. I said, I can take that money that I haven't paid you and I will go hire people to finish my house and I will give them that money out of that account. That's the recourse I have. And he said, no, you don't. I said, look at our contract. And the contract was clearly stated that December 1st, I forget which year it was, it's all breeze now. But as of that day, I could hire people to complete any outstanding work. And he called the lawyer and said, yep, he's perfectly willing to do that. And uh, that really lit the fire under his butt. And he finished the house. Now, it wasn't on December 1st. I think it was on December 6th. I gave him the grace period. I didn't, I could see they were making good progress. And that really ruined the relationship with my neighbor. In the course of this, learning the type of man that he is, a womanizer, I don't care to have good relationships with bad people. I don't care uh, if men of poor character like me or not. I don't care for their opinions. And um, that all went on. And while I really enjoy, I don't know if I enjoy conflict or I'm good at it. Like when I'm in an altercation, when I'm in conflict, I have the clearest thinking. I make the best decisions. Like, like if I'm in a hard situation, I don't know. I just seem to mentally, I just come alive. But it is exhausting and it's taxing. And it was when that process started that I, I stopped having the energy or the, the passion for YouTube. And, and that's the whole point of this whole long story is that that, I think, is as much as I can pinpoint it, because I've analyzed it, I mean, not so much in the last year or two, but three, four years ago, I'm like, why am I not in love with making YouTube content? I think that is part of the reason. Uh, another part, I think, is that YouTube has changed. I love the golden age of YouTube, where it wasn't necessarily production value. It wasn't, you know, before we had things like TikTok and Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. I truly do believe that the attention span of the Western mind is just plummeting. I know mine is, for sure. I'll watch a video and I'm like, okay, dude, come on, get to the point. Whereas I remember some of my favorite YouTubers in the past, like when I was getting into YouTube, I would watch some of these videos. And when I look back on them now, I'm like, I, I couldn't watch this. And so it's interesting. It's this, it's this weird thing that we have. And at the same time, making content that's like super quick, like short form content. I'm not good at that. I think that takes a lot of uh, intensity and I don't have that, but you know, looking at all these YouTubers that are dropping off or taking breaks, indefinite breaks, I think I was very, very, very close to doing that. And one of the reasons I, I think that is, is because YouTube, they want to pigeonhole you. They want you to niche down or niche down, however you prefer to say that. They want you to focus on a specific subject matter and stay in that lane. Do not leave that lane. And I enjoy making knives. I really, truly do. But I don't like making only knives. I don't like 
w- w- making a video after a video after a video about knives, it frankly just gets dull to me. It's like, give me something new, something exciting. And the knife making, when I started sharing it on YouTube, was when it was kind of really exciting and new. You know, I, I built my, just built my belt grinder when I started my YouTube channel. And I was interested in it. You know, at the time, my YouTube channel was about homesteading, the simple little life, you know, growing our own food, making a little homestead. And I did a knife video and it got traction and that had me excited. I'm like, oh, sweet. And all of a sudden I turned into a knife making channel. And that was never the intention of simple little life. And I think doing the same thing, unless it's something like some people can, you know, I knew a welder once who was happiest if you were to give him like 10,000 parts to weld to 10,000 other parts. He was the guy who had the welding bench and he just had jigs and you'd take a piece of steel, clamp it, weld it, another piece of steel, clamp it, weld it. And he was most satisfied, most comfortable when he knew that he had six months of the exact same task. And that is not me. I mean, I do something more than three or four times and I'm kind of like, okay, next please. And so I think I just... I, I, it's, it, I have become super bored of making knife making videos. And the other thing too, I've talked to it in my other podcast with my friend Todd is that when you reach different levels in your knife making some, and it's personal, right? Some people want to go to the nth degree, like Kyle Royer and gold inlays and just these incredible, exquisite, finely crafted knives slash pieces of art. I have no desire to go there. I want to make a very good working blade. I want it to look look good and I want it to perform well. And I feel, I, I don't want to be braggadocious, but I feel like I've done that. I've gotten to the level where I'm satisfied and I don't know that I want to push it any further. I can grind kitchen knives very thin now. That, that's a critical thing that I missed in the beginning. First, I don't know how many kitchen knives I made. They're so thick. Now I make them thin. And they cut effortlessly. They cut better than some of the Japanese hand-forged knives that I've purchased that have, you know, multi-generations behind them. Uh, I also use higher you know, higher technology and, and non-traditional things, so there's a lot of advantages that can come from that. But I'm at a point now in my knife making where I'm like, you know what? I'm happy. I don't necessarily want to push farther. Uh, and I heard recently there's... I don't know, one of the bigger famous knife makers was commenting like, you guys need to push yourself. Well, if you want to, if you want to push yourself, then go ahead. But as far as knife making specifically, I have no desire. I'm happy where I'm at. I've gotten to a level where I'm like, great. I've got other things that I'm interested in. Uh, My motorcycle. You know, I don't share any of that on my YouTube channel because I'm worried that I have to stay in my lane. And... I don't know. I'm just, I find it, I find it frustrating and I feel like I'm kind of glad that some, I'm not glad, uh, that's kind of a poor way to say it, but I'm glad that the um, people are talking about YouTube in a way that is not just, hey, it's just all sunshine and rainbows. You know, it's, there's certain things to it that are hard and it is a job and you know, I, I feel, I truly do feel like I'm at the point where if I really push hard, I can get back to it being a decent job, you know, and, and enjoying it. But I think part of that is going to have to be me 
uh, venturing outside of my lane. I had started my second YouTube channel, Jeremy Gertz, and that was fun. But the issue with that is that it's it's hard to feed two machines, you know, as even just like practical things. It's like, okay, I'm going to film this for this. And I'll have a one video going for Simple Little Life. I'll have one going for my other channel. And it was hard to keep track of the footage. It, it just added this extra layer of complication that wasn't very fun. And I do know there's certain things that maybe a lot of folks that are makers don't care about, like bicycles. Uh, those videos never did well on Simple Little Life. And those are the best performing videos on my Jeremy Gertz channel. So I think that will be the distinction. I've, you know, I've wanted to make a video about this all the time, but I feel like I can't put this on YouTube because people don't care. And, and maybe that's true. So maybe this podcast is just a great place for, you know, just kind of let people know why things are the way they are and maybe what to expect. And so I'm going to push very hard this year to make a lot more content. It's, it's, there still is going to be some knife making because I, I certainly do feel like I built up this audience and I appreciate, I appreciate the community and being involved with it, but I think that's going to have to, you know, there's a certain sense where I do need to still say, Hey, I got you. You know, every five videos, every 10 videos, I'm going to give you something that is most likely what you actually came here for. But for the sake of my own sanity, my own interest, my own passion, because when you're doing something that you don't like doing, even if it's YouTube, I don't think, I don't think that's a fun way to live your life, especially since I've tasted having something that you love. I've tasted knife making and making a living on it while I was just passionate about it. And that's the other thing too, is that I make knives to sell. And so sometimes after eight hours making knives in the shop, I really don't feel like spending several hours in the evening or early the next morning editing a video about knife making. And it's not to say I don't, but over and over again, it's just, it all gets to be a bit much for me, you know? So I guess all this to say, I'm going to test the waters, uh, make more content than I had in the previous, you know, five years. And I'm just going to really try to be true to what I'm interested in the moment. Um, you know, one of my best videos last year is one that I literally just flicked my camera on and willy nilly filmed it is because I was really excited about it. It's a little EDC toolkit that I, uh, that I made. Let me actually, I'm just going to pull up this poor uh, podcast etiquette, but, um, EDC toolkit, really cool Wera ratchet set that I had. And honestly, this video was something I was like, man, I just got to get something up, just anything up. And that video, let me see, let me see, let me see. Sorry, guys. Okay, my EDC toolkit, December 31st, 2022. Um, it has 426,000 views. And it was literally an afterthought. It was something that I I just popped the camera right here on this table I'm sitting at. And I thought, I'm just going to do a little video. And it's almost half a million views. And then I've got knife videos. If I go back here, let's look at some other content. I know you can't see this, but I'll keep talking. I, I do... Actually, just let's go. Content. Um... Knife sharpeners. Um, I don't even know how to... Okay, my top videos. Making a spoon carving knife. So that's one's popping off a little bit. 
My EDC toolkit, everyday tool pouch, Tormach knockoff knife sharpeners, making a knife with a one by 30 belt sander. So none of those are in my typical lane. A, a spoon carving knife, I only did that to be a little bit different. The EDC toolkit, I was like, whatever. My everyday tool pouch was after my EDC dual kit, and that is the same thing. It's just me talking about my tools that I use. And then the Tormach, yes, that's in the lane, but it's not a knife-making project video. And then making a knife with a 1x30. Again, I, I went to equipment I normally don't use, and I think there's a, a spur and interest in new knife makers. And so I always, sometimes I wonder if I'm making knives with, really you know the, the the professional grinders that i have liquid nitrogen the heat treating oven all these things i'm wondering if it just kind of limits my audience a bit but when i kind of look back at it i think the most success that i've had in recent years on youtube was when i would just go for it it's like oh you want to make a video about this do it and i think a lot of the feedback the comments i get is that that comes through now, people want to see someone who's excited about something, genuine enthusiasm. And me making another knife, maybe if I come up with a cool knife design, but me making another basic knife making tutorial, the reason I don't get super excited about that proposition is because of the fact that I've done it multiple times. And I honestly don't know that I can add more information that I already haven't. And I know a lot of people won't go and watch your entire back catalog but that doesn't mean that I want to sit here like a record on repeat and just keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. So I guess that's that's kind of where I'm at right now um, with the YouTube stuff. Um, I've been kind of kidding up a little bit. I, I picked up finally after listening to so many people rave about them, the DJI wireless microphones. Uh, before I had the Rode, but my batteries were dying really quickly. And... With this DJI, I've found I can literally just leave it turned on all day long, and I can do that for two days in a row, which is super handy. I'm trying to remove any of the barriers and obstacles from making uh, YouTube videos. Uh, previously, my favorite camera that I ever had was the Canon G7X Mark II, and my audio in that, in my particular camera, started getting artifacts in it. It just had some some background noise. But if it didn't, I would still be used out right now. I mean, it's only 1080p, but it just worked so good. It, it missed focus a little bit now and then. Um, but once you learn, like if I had a big poster or something behind me, often it would go between the poster and my face, but it was so easy. It was just small, open it up, turn it on, and the barrier to entry, the roadblocks for me to make a video were so far removed. It was easy as easy as could be and a lot of people say well just use a gopro then but there's something about a gopro that i can't handle uh one thing i, I mean it they have a, a certain place and I, I have gopros and i use them but they have a, a place um audio is not one of them now if i want good audio now i either have to use an external microphone or a lavalier microphone well i guess they're both external but like a shotgun mic or a lav and now all of a sudden we've introduced a barrier and this isn't as easy. The batteries in the GoPros do not last very well. There's another barrier. Even the basic design, like if I put the media mod on a GoPro, which I have, so that will put in a, a built-in shotgun microphone. When I want to get the 
when I change the battery, it is such a pain in the butt. I have to take it off whatever mount, I have to fold the little wings, open the door, slide it out, and it's just not that good. So I don't know. I'm still trying to find the the perfect camera. It was last year I picked up the DJI Pocket 2, and I used that for a couple weeks, mostly in testing, and I don't love it. I, I just don't like the image that comes off of it. It's weird. The DJI Pocket 3 apparently is so much better. I've watched so many reviews on it. I just can't bring myself to pull the trigger. Uh, so right now, the main camera that I use generally is my Canon EOS R. And it works. It works good. And, you know, if I just leave the DJI mic on it, and then it's actually fairly simple. It's It's not too complicated. And I'm happy with the image. So that's where that's at. Um, what else new? You know, also the, the funny thing too, is every time you have a new location that you're filming at, it's a whole set of adjusting. And I don't know if I'm just looking back with rose colored glasses, but my favorite place to film was in my shipping container. And that could be because I've done more filming in the shipping container than other places, but the one thing is with those corrugated walls, with those deep corrugations of a shipping container, they do a good job at at bouncing sound away. Like, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't super echoey. Whereas my new shop now, even in this office, I'm hoping this isn't too echoey. I don't even have mon monitoring earphones on right now. But, you know, it's a, a new set of learning. And, and the lighting that I have in this new shop, while it is really bright, it's not very nice for for uh video and, and sometimes if i'm looking at one end of the shop to a different end of the shop there's quite a noticeable difference in the color temperature and then i'll watch the camera try to compensate and it's whatever i mean it is what it is um i think trying to get really nice looking cinematic stuff was a lot easier in the shipping container because i had consistent lighting and so it just didn't change but anyways i would love to hear <clears throat> if you guys have thoughts on these things uh, one thing I'm really hoping to do with this podcast is use this as a way to interact and then get the interaction from you guys via Instagram. Obviously, podcasting, you know, unless you're doing it live with the person, it's hard to go back and forth. Uh, I'm not really interested in doing interviews. I don't think I'm good at doing interviews. And so if I do continue this Simple Life podcast in the future, it will likely just be this, like a behind the scenes rambling and hopefully bring you some value, bring you some insights as I learn things, um, kind of share those. Uh, one thing I've, I learned this week is that French cleat walls are actually pretty handy. I've seen guys do it for years, never really looked into it except for the last couple weeks. I'm trying to set up my woodworking area in the back shop. Um, if by chance you've missed out, I have a 50 by 100, for 100 foot heated shop now. And so the back of it has a car lift. And so it's like a car working area. And then in the back corner, I'm setting up a dedicated woodworking area. And I've got this, it's like a 40 foot of wall. And then all my tools are underneath the outfeed table for my table saw. And I have to bend down and I'm just like, this is silly. And so I put up two sheets of three quarter inch you know, standard one side plywood, not Baltic birch or anything fancy like that, but put two of those up, 16 feet long, four foot high, and I cut myself a whole bunch of French cleats and put them up. 
And I made two little hanging things, one for my little trim router and one for my cordless oscillating sander, random orbital sander. And I'm like, this is so slick. I've got so much room and I have so many different tools, you know, cordless saws, planers. I've got a lot of Milwaukee, like a lot. And I'm like, it should all be like where I can just look at it, know where it is and, and grab for it, you know, and I'm trying to, I'm starting to sort out tools. Like I've got cordless, you know, Milwaukee ratchets and impacts, and those are living in my toolbox that's dedicated for automotive use because that's where I'll use it. Uh, cordless drills, drivers, those can kind of float around. I've got a few sets of those and I like to have one of those in each set because they're, you're always using them, you know, taking them inside to do this. We're doing a bunch of renovations in our, uh, the kitchen that we have in our basement. And so those aren't things like I'm not looking for dedicated spots for those. I don't mind those kicking around, but you know, skill saws, track saws, uh, jigsaws, you name it. It's nice to have a spot for those to be and live because those aren't used all the time and they're going to only be used in the woodworking section. So I can just go back, hit it up, boom, done. So yeah, I've just, I've done that. I'm going to do some more French cleat stuff this afternoon and get that all set up. And then I think tomorrow I'm going to be jumping back onto a collaboration knife. Uh, this is one that I don't think anybody knows about. They may. This isn't the Alex Steel collaboration. And in case you're wondering about that, I still fully intend to do it. I just need to, there's a couple things I need to do. I need to figure out, finalize the design, and then I just need to get on it really. That's what it is. But um, I'm doing another collaboration and I'm hoping to have that finished up this week. I've been shooting the whole thing, filming the whole thing. Um, I picked up some Gator Piss, which I've never used before. Always has like raving, glowing results. And uh, this is Damascus steel, really nice Damascus steel. And I'm excited. This will be the first knife I've completed using pattern welded steel. And I wasn't, I was always just kind of like, meh, whatever. But now that I see a knife that I've made and I've profiled and I see the pattern in there, I'm like, ooh, yeah, that is kind of cool. I, I dig that. So I'm really hoping I can get that one done this week. And uh, I actually just released the viewers knives video for the build along simple little life build along It's the fourth build along I've done on the channel. Um, and it was cool. I think I, hmm, 18 or 20 folks send me some pictures of their completed knives. So that video just went out. And again, you know what? I'm not really expecting that video to do well. I really don't think it will, but I kind of like building a knife with other people. You know, we had people from New Zealand, uh, South Africa, a few from the States, one from Canada. Oh, where else? There's somewhere else. Belgium. And it's just cool that we are all working on a similar knife design, but in different places around the world. I just really, really quite enjoyed that. Um, but, 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 what else has been going on? I guess, I guess I'll just try and bring you up to speed with everything else. Uh, you know, we moved here, we bought my parents' place and this place was built in 94. And so it has ongoing issues. We've got a front gate on the property. It's really nice, a nice heavy steel automatic front gate. And that thing has been, there's months where it was constantly on the fritz and there's conduit that goes from one operator to the other operator, goes under the driveway. 
Well, I think that conduit has shifted due to freeze-thaw cycles and cables that transport signals from one operator to the other are constantly failing. You know, I'll get my, my ohm meter out and I'll be like, you know, testing resistance, testing continuity rather, and there's like no continuity between wires. So uh, it's just... It's just been one thing after another. And the real problem with it is that it, you know, it's not like you're sitting here wondering, hey, I wonder if, I wonder if the gate's still working. And you go check it. It's like you're driving down the driveway and you're on a way to church in the morning and it's like the gate's not opening. And it's like a foot and a half of snow. It's like, are you freaking kidding me? So it's, uh, everything seems to happen at the most, uh, inopportune moments but that's that's just how it is right it's not just me but it's amazing how much time i've been dedicating lately to keeping the uh this place operational upgrading things changing things out and we've done quite a bit of i wouldn't call it full-on renovation but refreshing uh painted the entire kitchen cabinets upstairs um, my parents built this place with a suite in the basement for my grandmother and she lived with me, with, me, with us, with our family. And I tell you, that was, that was probably the favorite part of my teenage years. From the time I was 14 to 17, I moved out of the house when I was 17. Having your grandmother in your basement and I would go down every single morning and have coffee with her. That, man, I wouldn't trade that for anything. It was incredible. I feel so blessed to have had that experience. And, you know, I could have, I could be in a disagreement with my parents and go talk to my grandma about it. And she was always just kind of a neutral person. And I don't know if my parents would go talk to her about the stuff I was doing, the dumb stuff I was doing, but she was just there to listen. And she was amazing like that. I, I do miss her. She's since passed, she passed during covid and i actually wasn't even allowed to attend her funeral because you know the government anyway i'm not going to get too political in this podcast sorry but um so there was a suite down there and same thing it was built in 94 and it's the classic oak you know that dark oak everything and so my wife painted all down there uh we're going to do new kitchen countertops i'm going to tile new backsplash and uh, we're just trying to freshen it up you know paint and new lighting makes a place feel so much better and so we've got that going on right now and uh it's it's fun it's great but overall like we've been out here for a year and a half now so far and it's starting to feel like our own place it's i'm still not quite used to it like we lived before on a, a very quiet gravel road where if somebody drove down the road i would go look because <laughs> i'm like wait wait who's that you know, there's only two people that live past us and it wasn't like a, a through road. I mean, you could go through, but it's not like anyone would choose to take this road. And then now I'm on a, not a super busy highway, but it's a highway in, and, and we're still like the shop is about 700 feet from the road and we've got tree cover. So it's not like it's loud, but it's just different still. You know, I can, I can look out and hear a vehicle driving down a highway, which I, I never could before, but at the same time, we're closer to the city, which is nice. And, uh, yeah, no, things have been going very well, a lot of work, but I, I can't complain. You know, it's, I feel very grateful, very blessed. And, um, my wife's Etsy has been doing good. We thought it was going to really slow down with the economy and stuff. Um, and it started out slow for the Christmas rush, but then it picked right up. 
And um, so that was good. And so that's part of the reason why I'm setting up my wood shop. I'm making that process of doing Etsy, like just boom, as efficient as possible. You know, the, you put time into shop infrastructure. I mean, as long as it's not a hobby, and that's that's the benefit of what I do is this isn't a hobby for me. Uh, I literally make my full living based on what I can produce, what I can create. So it's worth the time for me to invest in shop infrastructure because it's just going to make me that much more efficient. Uh, I rent airlines throughout the shop, uh, not through, throughout the front of the shop. So I've got like airdrops at my milling machine, uh, my drill presses, uh, my motorcycle workstation because I've got a pneumatic motorcycle lift table. And phase two, we'll be running them into the back of the shop, getting them into the wood area. Um, there's a certain process where I router and it creates a bunch of chips. And every time I do a new sign, I like to blow the chips off so I don't have any, you know, so I'm not sitting on chips and above the router table. So I'll be running airlines back there. Uh, upcoming project is that I had a, previously had my 60 gallon air compressor and I was blowing out our irrigation lines that we have here. Um, and it was just running too hard, too hard, too hard, and it ended up frying it. And so I just bought a new 80-gallon air compressor. But I'm going to take my old 60 and build an offset smoker. And I am going to film this because this is going to be a learning process for me. Something I'm super excited about is barbecue. I love barbecue. Our tradition for the last couple of years has been to do briskets on Christmas instead of uh, turkeys. And I just thought, man, having a nice a nice offset smoker like a texas style smoker that's going to be fun and i think size wise i should be able to get three briskets on there you know maybe 100 or so chicken wings not at the same time but i would like this so that i can have a whole bunch of people out and just feed you know have 40 50 people over which we've done here we've got a really great yard at our new place here and we can entertain and we're not that far from the city i mean we're 15 minutes outside of the city limits so We've had a couple of good gatherings out here, and I thought, man, to be able to do a big old round of barbecue would be a blast. So that's going to be an upcoming project as well. Anyways, um, I appreciate you listening. Uh, I would absolutely love feedback. If you are interested in, in me continuing uh, or in bringing back the Simple Little Life podcast, I would love it if you'd let me know out on the old Instagram. Just shoot me a DM and let me know what you think. If you have topic ideas, I'm not completely ruling out the notion of doing interviews, but I've had a few interviews that were challenging. And I think part of the reason was I didn't set out the rules ahead of time. I didn't say like, okay, uh, don't drink a big glass with ice cubes in it on the podcast and make sure you've got a headset that that works. I had just a couple challenges and it, it ended up having me being like, I don't want to do that. But then again, I could have mitigated those so... Those are definitely on me, but plan is this uh, podcast is going to be me doing the old ramble damble on the old microphone like this right here. Uh, hopefully this sounds okay. You know, one thing I always wonder when I hear a podcast is which microphone they're using. Previously, I was using the Shure SM7B, which I still have, but that's in the house. And the reason for that is that we have Starlink internet of the house and I have what they call a Wi-Fi bridge. So I've got like a little a little shooter and a receiver it shoots the internet from the house to the shop. But I think the latency in that transmission makes it really hard for me to podcast from the shop, which would be ideal. I would love to podcast from here. 
uh, like with my friend, because we have a, a connection, we use Squadcast. But um, I have this one here for doing like, this is the one I'm using right now is the Rode NTG USB Plus. Uh, it's just a USB-C microphone, and I'm really actually quite happy with it. You can let me know what you think if it sounds all right. It does a fairly good job at blocking out background noises, and I, I like it because it's not this big setup. I have my Shure SM7B going into the Rodecaster Pro, and actually, interesting thing with that is that I'm, if you've listened to the Can-Am Soup podcast, either last one or two episodes, those two I was testing using this microphone instead of my big podcast setup. So I'm using the Rode NTG NT-USB Plus microphone and I'm running that into my iPad and I just use Squadcast which stores it in the cloud and then I can come back here. And the reason for that is that I was getting sick and tired of hauling my MacBook from the house to the shop, from the house to the shop. I like my computer just to sit in one spot. I've got my external hard drives plugged into it. I do all my video editing here, and so I thought if I could just use my iPad and a USB microphone, that is the easiest way to do it. And so far, I think it's working. Um, was talking to my wife, uh, you know, I've got a lot of old cameras, old tech, old this, and it it's starting to take up drawers of storage. And I'm like, I need to do a purge. I need to figure out, okay, what camera is it that I want to use to make my YouTube videos? The rest of them, we can get rid of them. Well, almost the rest of them. I have some that are just for, for photos, like my Fuji X100V, but you know, I've got about, I have five cameras that are capable and that I've used to record YouTube videos. It's just a lot of stuff to manage. It's a lot of crap. You know, I always want to be a minimalist and then I look around and I'm like, I am not a minimalist. For Pete's sakes, I've got eight bicycles <laughs> that are my own. <laughs> Uh, those would be the last things that I would ever try to purge. But I was like, you know what? I don't use the Rodecaster Pro. I mean, I use it, but just as an audio interface. So if I could keep things simple. The other thing is I've got a, in the suite in the basement, we have a desk there. And that's where I podcast from. But once we get our kitchen renovation done, we're going to get rid of that, put in a, a nice couch, a sectional and a television and turn that into a second basement living room. And so I thought, well, if I could get like, a mobile podcast setup. It's nice because I can go into that suite. It, it's a separate room. I'm not disrupting the family. Uh, I'm not underneath the stairs like I was in our old house. So if the kids went up and down the stairs, <laughs> sometimes it'd be distracting. But so that's kind of the whole dealio. And right now I'm just recording this directly into my computer because obviously I don't need an internet connection for this. And uh, interested to see what this sounds like, if this will be half decent audio or not. If I think it's okay, then this podcast will be released. If not, it won't. But anyways, I hope you guys are all doing fantastic. You know, I might actually do a recommendation of the week too. I love recommendations. <laughs> what should my recommendation be? I'm going to try not to make it just like what everybody else talks about, except this time it's... I don't know if I've been on this channel before. Let's do Outdoor Boys YouTube channel. They're crushing right now. If you look at their analytics, it's insane. Uh, speaking of cameras, he does everything on a GoPro. That's it. But I think it's the adventures that he's on all the time that he's interested in doing. So good, wholesome content. Great for your whole family. Uh, sometimes I'll live vicariously through him. I haven't watched his last several episodes because they're generally longer. Um, but if I'm ever like, uh, you know, walking on the treadmill or something like that, I'll throw those on and they're great. So Outdoor Boys YouTube channel, a lot of 
hunt, like not hunting, but yeah, it's a little mild, mild hunting. It's adventuring, you know, going up to Alaska, building an igloo, sleeping in it, going to Florida and going gator fishing and always cooks food, which I really enjoy. And uh, it's a pretty good little, pretty good little YouTube channel. So thanks all for listening. I hope you're doing well and any feedback, I would love it. Uh, Instagram, it's a uh, simple little life.ca. And uh, yeah, if I get the feedback, you will have another one of these coming to your earballs probably next week. Probably do this like a weekly show. That's the other thing without doing guests is that I could squeeze these in as I have time throughout the week. Anyways, guys, take care. Thanks so much. And we shall talk to you later. Cheers. <laughs>